Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Cornell ILR Sports Business Society podcast. It's the best time of the week. It is Monday, November 14th, 2022, and as always, I'm your host and director of radio, Dylan Hale, joined by my co-host, Chad Martini, and the man himself, Jimmy Taylor. And we are going to start with Jimmy Taylor today. We're going to come at him hot today, uh, because how about them boys, Jim? How about them? How about them, baby? We've been talking about the woes of the Packers for the past few weeks, and they finally get their home win, coming back from down two scores against the Dallas Cowboys. Real tough one for Dallas. I'll let Jim start. Jim, how's your Monday going, man? Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. There might be an extra hole in the wall back at my house. Um, <laughs> it was pretty... I'm, I'm pretty angered. Uh, a little bit disappointed, not going to lie. My boys, uh, they, got, they, got, they got scummed by the ref. The ref missed mm. that easy, easy P.I. call. Yeah, hit him early, hit him early on a slant. And then also uh, fourth and four, yeah, great great freaking call there. I mean, what are we what no. are we doing? No. I, that's all I'm saying. Like, Mike, I love you, man. You've been made some questionable calls. But overall, like, good game offensively. You know, obviously Dak had uh, two interceptions that really cost. Uh, the Cowboys could have been up by, you know, instead of 14 going to the fourth quarter, going up to uh, they could have been up by probably 21 to 28 points. You know, if, if he didn't throw those two interceptions, uh, yep. especially one in the red zone at the end of the first half, uh, I'm pretty disappointed about uh, you know those plays. And uh, honestly, the, the interceptions made a made a bad a, a close game uh, made it a, made it a close game when it really shouldn't have been. Um, obviously, Dak not the most efficient on the day. He just did have three TDs, but only had 265 with 46 <coughs> pass attempts. And then two interceptions once again, like I said, just cost us. And Mike McCarthy, fourth and four with a, a great kicker. Like, come on, what? Are so we you would have you would have kicked it. I would. I'm usually not super conservative like that. Well, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. If they exactly. if they if they convert, are you saying on this show today, man? I wish we kicked it. If they convert, no. Of I'm course, saying of if they not. would have converted yesterday. Yeah, no, 100. percent I I do I do agree with you. I mean, obviously, if they would have gone for it, I was thinking about that last night actually when that happened. I was like, you know, if they make it, I'll be like, this is going to be a great great call. But if not, then I was going to be pretty PO'd. And exactly what happened is, uh, yeah, I'm pretty PO'd. Uh, Brett Maher is obviously a great kicker. He can knock it from anywhere, 56 in, easy. I think he's, uh, you know, he's pretty pretty solid percentage there, he's a good and guy. I trust him. He's, he's a great great guy, and I know him pretty well, obviously. Just kidding, just kidding. Pulling a LeBron out here. But, um, no, honestly, very disappointed. I'm about to get clowned by these guys over here because, obviously, every week we talk terrible about the Packers, and I don't think they're very good still. But, once again, Aaron Rodgers, the hat's off to him. Way to come back. Um, He didn't have any interceptions. Pretty pretty efficient. You know, good day for him. But, honestly, they they relied heavily on the run game, and uh, the Cowboys' defense did not do as well as they have been in the past. Yeah, um, I'm happy about this result because I've been getting a lot of smack from you over the past few weeks on my martini hierarchy for leaving them off. And I even put them at 5B uh, last week because they didn't play a game. And I knew I had question marks with the Cowboys. It's the Cowboys at the end of the day. It's the same old Cowboys. It's not the same old Jets. It's the same old Cowboys right now. And, um, yeah, that, Colin Coward has been saying it for a while now. He doesn't know if Dak Prescott's the real deal. And Dak Prescott's had his good years, but looking at him now, I know he's coming off a few injuries, but he just doesn't look like himself. Is that the Dak Prescott that I've been watching the past hey, few hey, years? They had a bye week last week, and Dak had a great week before that. Putting All right, and the Packers points. have looked terrible the past four That's weeks. That's fine. I mean, lost to the Packers. Yeah, exactly, but every team starts playing better today, better one day than they did the day before. And, you know, it's the NFL, so you're going to have a bad game every once in a while because you're playing other professional athletes. Well, regardless That's, of your personal. Yeah, I know, but let's not give you I'm not, I'm not making this a personal vendetta. I'm just saying no, I'm the not Cowboys saying yours. I'm saying anyone's. You, you can't. 
you can't really point fingers many other places than Dak. With no. this, this was a bad. Well, no, a two interception game. Like but obviously like, two costly interceptions. Because if you look, if you're a fantasy owner of some Cowboys, you're saying the individual pieces of this team had a great game. Tony Pollard had a phenomenal game. Yeah, 115 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And CeeDee Lamb was outstanding. 11 catches for 150 and two touchdowns, you know? So if you're looking at the Cowboys, I mean, maybe this is their theme over, over the years. I think that, Chad, you'd agree with that. You know, they have so your same old Cowboys being uh, many different individual stars are doing their thing. But when you come together in a big-time game, America's Game of the Week in Lambeau Field, all this fairy tale uh, opportunities for Mike McCarthy to come back and win in Green Bay, then they, they blow the lead. So I think for this one, I'd put it on Dak. I mean, well, okay, I'm not even going to say Dak. Obviously, everyone knows that when you're a quarterback, you are going to be blamed for winning yep, and yep. you're going to be blamed for losing. Yep. That's just it. You're the leader. You're the guy. So, yes, you can say Dak Prescott was a problem. But when you really look at it, there were so many small things that happened throughout the game. Just on, like, maybe the defensive play that was missed that was – uh, like what easily, you know, I made it a three and out, you know, and then rather they make a long drive, you know, in the fourth quarter and go out and score. Um, obviously, uh, Christian Watson for uh, we, we got to talk about him. I mean, rookie coming out there, yeah, I mean, only, only had four receptions, but three touchdowns for 107 yards. Well, I, th- I think the bigger picture there was he had he had back to back drops early in the game, exactly on two crucial plays. So the fact that he was able to turn it around. And the fact that Aaron Rodgers kept his trust in him because a guy like Alan Lazard, who he's much more comfortable with, had much more of a quiet game that game than Christian Watson did. Watson still had eight targets, so he had those two drops that could have made it six catches, but three touchdowns, just an absolute breakout performance for him. And it's got to be something that is a feel-good performance, especially yeah. after the season he's been having. I mean, they, he wasn't their first-round pick because they didn't, they didn't waste a first-round pick on a receiver, but they picked him pretty early. He's supposed to be their guy to replace him because they made no trade – uh, deadline moves. They didn't bring in really any big free agent moves besides Sammy Watkins on offense. So, and he's had a quiet few uh, first ten weeks of the season. He had that big drop against the Vikings on the first play of the game to start the year off, and it kind of all seemed like it was going downhill from there. So, to see a recovery like that for him has got to be a really yeah, great sign. I, I mean, I, of course, why would it not be against the Cowboys though? <clears throat> I mean, because why? Why would ever anything happen good to the Cowboys? But once again, can we just talk about that ref? That, did you did you watch the replay of that missed call? Yeah. I mean, they, he hit him probably half a second to one second before the ball was even there and no call just because I know it's CeeDee Lamb and it's the Cowboys and of course you're back at Lambeau because I swear those referees have a personal vendetta that's the second time I've said that word and I've only said that word one time in the last year before I said this but they have a personal vendetta against third time right there right against the Cowboys and I mean every single time the, the Cowboys go to the Lambeau whatever time it is whatever year it is Whatever playoff picture, whatever this picture, there's always going to be a terrible call at the end of the game. Dez still caught yeah, it. But my- Dez still caught it. All right, we can still talk about that. But then also, let's just talk about like that. That 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 makes it a first down, right? That comes in on a third and four play. You know, a third and four. That that's literally the game in the, all, overtime, right? We're gonna we're driving. We're running a slant, right? It's gonna be easy first down if he doesn't hit him early. First off, number two, if he does hit him early, that's a 15 yard penalty, right? And then remains first down, and you got all the you got everything going ahead, right? You have all the momentum, and you're ready to go, and you can just keep going. And, and honestly, that probably would have been an easy field goal, and or a touchdown that would have made the Cowboys win. Yeah, but the so. ca- the Cowboys should have never let the been refs decide position. this no. game. It should never I, I been this I understand. Close. I understand, but that's what two interceptions does to you. And honestly. We we get, we're obviously going to talk about the Bills a little bit more today, but when you look at it, six and three is the same record as the Bills and the Cowboys and the Bills, both great teams, still great teams, you know. But they both have a six and three record. I don't think that's very indicative of how good those teams are. I think those are just the poor performances of maybe one or two players. Yeah, but I, I think the Cowboys have more question marks right now. I think 
One thing I'm a little concerned about is the usage of Michael Gallup. I mean, the first few weeks, you don't you don't have Amari Cooper anymore, obviously, and then you have Michael Gallup down. So you're kind of giving an excuse for the offense to say, hey, look, we're without two of our main guys who had a lot of production last year. Maybe about midway through the season, later on in the season, it's going to pick up. And, I mean, Michael Gallup really hasn't had a big game ever since he's been back. So I wonder if that's on Dak Prescott or if the question's on McCarthy because McCarthy was kind of looked at as a questionable hire once he got there. He, there was problems in Green Bay, and he got to Dallas, and they weren't reaching the expectations they wanted to reach. So now it's the question, is McCarthy still the guy? Is it Prescott? Or is what's what's the problem going on in Dallas? Because I know it's one loss. You shouldn't tend to overreact, but Dak Prescott hasn't been himself. It was a revealing and, loss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a lot a lot showed that game. I, I think the opposite. I don't think it's a very revealing loss at all. I think that's honestly just a fluke. I honestly do. I think. Well, uh, then what's the fluke in the. Like, you keep saying fluke and you keep saying the referees being the theme, but, like, you can only for so long point at the referees when you go back year after year after year. When's the last time Dallas has been to the championship game? You know, NFC championship game. Yeah, it's been a while, but the thing is. You can't just keep pointing at it. Yeah, this one is not a fluke. Sometimes you've got to look at it. We're talking. You were talking about, you know. Uh, later in the season, you're talking about more making a playoff run. I'm talking right now about a regular season game right here against, obviously, every every regular season game counts in the NFL. We all know that. But this one right here, I, I call it a fluke because, obviously, this is not indicative of how the Cowboys have played throughout the rest of the year. They really, It really hasn't. They've been a great team with a great defense, not letting up 20, uh, excuse me, letting up 31 points. You know, in the game, and especially not in besides uh, the the Bears when they put up forty nine points themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, so defense was obviously a little more lax, but they haven't been doing this right. And then also, um, you know, I went uh, with Chad's thing with Michael Gallup. Uh, you know, I don't think that's a question of Mike McCarthy or Dak. I think that's just a question of where you know where that ball's going. You know, I think Gallup. I think he's 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 bound to have a breakout game sooner or later. Um, coming off a big injury like he did, it's obviously going to be a slow return. You know, nobody comes right back and has 130 yards and two touchdowns. You know, it's, that's just what's going to happen. This is a league that you, honestly, uh, the best ability is availability, right? You look at it with, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey throughout the years. It's actually my favorite saying now that I think about it, but go on, go yeah, on. Anyway, I uh, appreciate that little comment right there, Chad, because I was on a roll, but that's okay. Uh, but, yeah, basically, like, what happens is, like, you know, if you're if you're available, right? You're you're healthy. You come back and you're able to you know progress and then also learn. But every time you get injured, you know, it kind of sets you back. Like Christian McCaffrey hasn't been the player that he's wanted to be, right? Nobody's mm-hmm. ever been able to see it because it always gets hurt. Gallup's been hurt multiple times. Yeah, but I mean, Gallup Gallup's been out there. That's that's my yeah, thing. For a he, weeks his now. his 2022 season stats could were essentially Justin Jefferson stats yesterday. 16 catches, 170 yards, one touchdown. So I mean, Michael Gallup is a player who I think is good enough to be getting much more receptions, much more looks at in the game. So I just think it's kind of weird why they're not getting the ball I, more. I, once again, I think he's he's been, first off, with the uh, obviously defensively-wise, everybody, you know, they know what Michael Gallup can do. But right now, I don't think Michael Gallup can do what he was doing last year. Physically, right now, he's not there. He's a, still a darn good receiver, right? But right now, he's only going to be a role player because he hasn't been in the lineup, right? Maybe maybe there has to be. A but he's, he's been there for six straight weeks. No, it's six straight weeks. Yes, but also he hasn't been there like physically. Maybe not even mentally yet. Maybe he's not even ready yet. That's all, all I'm, I'm saying. saying is, and understandably, you're a fan of the team and you want to see the best out of them. But you're you're being very forgi- forgiving here. You know, so so you're saying it's a fluke. 
So in saying it's a fluke, are you are you saying that you're you're confident fully about how things oh, are moving forward? hundred percent. I mean, next week obviously a huge game against the Vikings. Right. The Vikings, we'll talk about them later as well. I mean, they're a legit team, mm-hmm. right? But I think it's going to be a great game, and it's going to finally be able to see what the uh, the offenses of these two teams can do and how well these defenses are going to lock down. Right. right. That's going to be before huge. we. But we haven't. Anyway, anyway, but let's talk. Keep talking about this week, Chad. You mentioned Mike McCarthy, right? Or who, who who said Mike McCarthy was a questionable hire? You did, Dill? I said there's a question mark with questionable him. Questionable hire. I think if he's been questionable What's the move with that? I don't think there's any move yet. I think he needs to keep settling down. I wouldn't say so. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's still like the middle of the season, right? It's still pretty relatively well, early. Let me let me this. ask you this. If if the Cowboys, they're gonna, I'm pretty confident they'll make the playoffs right now. The Cowboys losing the first round of the playoffs, so you keeping McCarthy? I think, yeah, I think, I think keep he's for, gone. I think you keep him for another year. I think he's got to be gone by then. Because that's two straight first-round playoff losses. When he had higher expectations, he was hot seat level it. after losing last year yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah, I know exactly. That's just because people wanted his hat, right? Because obviously the, he had some he had a questionable call at the end. And, you know, that's that's honestly that was a bad taste in the mouth for a questionable call. You know, if, if you if you lose, you know, fair and square, you don't have a you don't have something that was kind of up in the air and a little bit kind of questionable. People aren't asking for his head. This isn't a, this isn't the New York Yankees. You know, and one thing bad happens, man. Everybody gets PO'd at everybody else. You know, that's just I what, think that's, that's what New York sports. That's what New York sports is. That's not even that's not even Dallas. We're actually a better fan base than y'all. I'm sorry. The Cowboys would be the epitome of that. What, what do you mean? <laughs> no, when, of overreacting when to no. every small like they, those guys. No, we don't. We don't. We don't get. We don't get mad at our players. We just get mad at referees and other people. That's just it. Well, that's a problem though, because well, then you're you're making excuses yeah, you're for saying bad Everything's play. good with us. It's all it's, it's all the foreign stuff. It's all the external. Well, tell, tell, tell me, Des didn't catch it. Tell me what we're the not hell going. We're not talking about to five, ten years. It always has to do with it. That every single year. That's so you're happens. saying confidently that the, the 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 root of the Cowboys' woes is not the Cowboys. Well, the root of the Cowboys' woes is a, there's a lot of different things, you know. I, but I don't think I don't I think well, no, no, I think we're too quick to judge that it's a woe. It's not too. There quick. are no woes. It's been, it's it's been not too quick. No, there are no woes right now. From out from outsiders in, the Cowboys always have a really high expectation. Yeah, no, the and prob- so the problem is well, no matter no matter what happens with the Cowboys, the Cowboys fans will always find a way to justify. It. And I'm not taking a shot at you. I'm talk- taking a shot at the Cowboys fans as a whole. Because I think the Cowboys are too good of a team to not be reaching these expectations that they're reaching. So now, in my case, like I'm saying, if it comes this year again where they're losing the first round again with McCarthy, it's, you can't be blaming it on, oh, it's a bad call, oh, a referee made us lose this game. No, it's it has to be an internal problem at that but point. But it might I've, be that. I think, I think there's been so many problems. I just think you're... I think basically okay. If you want, if you want me to You're say hiding. one thing, if you want me to say one thing, maybe it's just because we haven't had that. Yeah, bullets hiding. Tell me, tell me the winners of every single la- every last Super Bowl. Tell me they haven't had an All Star quarterback. You know, guys okay. gonna be in the, the the Hall of Fame one day. Think, think of all the last ones. You know, like I think the reason the 49ers didn't win a couple of years back is because Garoppolo isn't Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is that difference. He's that X factor. We we haven't had that X factor in a long time as a quarterback. Position. So then, do you not think that Dak? is... I think Dak Prescott's a very functional quarterback. He can get it done. But you do you know, think he's the answer? I don't think he is the complete answer. Okay. Yeah, but like I'm still gonna ride or die with my boy Prescott. Everyone no. knows that, right? No, I do know that. Yeah. And you're gonna project that, but do you think deep down when? So you're basically you're saying that I'm putting on a facade. No, I, I, no. I, no. What he's trying to say is, right do you here. think this roster could win a Super Bowl as it is set right now with Dak Prescott quarterback and even with McCarthy at coach? 155. percent Okay. We've seen because you we, just said the otherwise. Well, no, I'm saying that if you <laughs> wanted to make me label a pro, like a, a possible aspect of why this game happened or why any game, why any game the Cowboy loses, you can blame on the quarterback because as we said before, win or lose, the quarterback will be blamed. And so, therefore, I'm just saying, if you want me to label a problem, that's what's going on. Sometimes execution, maybe. If y'all want to, if y'all want to say Mike McCarthy is a problem, 
You know, we could say that, right? I'm not. No, I still, I still deeply respect the guy. I think he's a great. I still think he's a pretty darn good coach. Yeah, but yeah he's had some messed up decisions. I think that third, uh, fourth and four call is not a great call. I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. I'm not. Once again, I'm not a conservative guy. I like to go for it on fourth and one. But a fourth and four, when a game, you know, to make it a little more interesting, right? When you know you have one of the best defenses in the leagues. You know, make him tr trust him with Michael Parsons and the gang to make a stop, right? Mm. I, I mean, that, that's, the that's, the, that's the problem with the game last night. Also, once again, it should have never been that close. And that is on the back of, uh, you know, Dak Prescott and the offense just not putting, you know, their feet on the throat of the Packers and not stepping and squeezing. You know, that's just, that's the problem. And uh, I don't want to talk about it with y'all anymore because, you know, I'm only going to get angered. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, let's throw some hands. I could throw some hands, though. I mean, oh. I'm going to be honest with you. Right. Oh, we, we can get know, crazy. We can get crazy. But I don't know what we were doing with that call. I'm still a little angered. I'm still a little confused. And right now, I'm just in a little bit of despair. Well, looking on the positive side of the game, because there's always an up and a down, I mean, it's, it was good to see Aaron Rodgers back. I mean, 146.7 passer rating, three touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over. Yeah. Christian Watson was the hero of the game. Aaron Jones, phenomenal again. I mean, you could – this could be a turning point. <laughs> This could be a turning point in Green Bay's season. I think that could also be an overreaction, but you got to think coming down from two scores. Aaron Rodgers, by the way, talking about body language, he's someone who's been like visibly upset throughout the season, frustrated, and as deservedly frustrated. You'd expect that. But yesterday, he's throwing the, those deep balls. He's doing his old celebrations. It was just the, the Green Bay crowd was was all over it. I, mm -hmm. It was it, I was happy to see that from Aaron Rodgers. Chad, do you think Aaron Rodgers? Is back in the right direction? Is that an over overreaction? Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's overreaction. Certainly not. But I think um, I think he he looked good. But I think there's still the problems there. I think he is still showing. He's too he's too visible on the field. He lets his uh, body emotion. He lets it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was glad to see it was positive though. He yeah. Was, well, I think that's well, no, there was a positive, which is good, which highlights. After the Christian Watson touchdown, he was hyped. He was pumped. He was giving a lot of good things to say about Christian Watson and the presser. But um. He was also there's also a clip of him looked like he was cursing out LaFleur, which visibly, is visibly visibly right. cursing visibly angry with LaFleur. Yes. So it's like I mean, we're all quarterbacks ourselves. We all know that quarterbacks are all looked up to on the team. So when you see a guy like you're this is the epitome of Packers football. You have Aaron Rodgers and you have him cursing out your head coach. It's kind of a weird look for the rest of the players. They're looking at it and they're like, Does is he really committed? Does he really care? Like, what's going on? And maybe some people look at that and they say, wow, he really cares. He's done losing. He's done. He's trying to flip the narrative. But at the same time, I think he's got to uh, do a better job controlling his emotions. You know, I, I do agree with Chad. I, I, I think, though, it's more about this. He's got to learn how to control his negative emotions more. Right, his positive emotions, man, at the end of the game. Let them out, baby. Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. I'm going to try to stay immensely just not you know, biased right now because obviously they were playing the Cowboys. But obviously, at the end of the game, you know, that little RPO slant, right? Beautiful. Yeah, great, great play, great pitch and catch. I mean, hit him in stride, running, you know, get the first down, put him in, uh, get him in well and within field goal range. He's pumping his fist, he's getting pumped, you know. That's the Aaron Rodgers that we've been accustomed to. That's what I'm saying. That's the Aaron that. Rodgers. It's great to see that, right? But yes, that LaFleur cussing out LaFleur. So that, that makes, that, that's the question, though. What is going on between him and Lafleur, right? And him and you know, obviously, we know that there's been problems between him and the coaching, as well as him and the, uh, you know, the upper level management. And so that's the problem. I think. I mean, when you when you want to put like a blame on a Packers, poor Packers season right now, you put it on that that inter those interactions between you know players and coaching. 
Because yeah. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is probably the only one that does it. I just think Aaron Rodgers has been, you know, ballsy enough and he's been in the league long enough to, you know, be able to actually voice that, voice yeah. those and show them. Yeah. He doesn't care. He doesn't care how people see him. But I think he wants the rest of the world to see what's going on, you know, up in those uh, up in those press boxes, you know, and what's going on between him and the coaches. Because I, I, I agree with him. A fourth and one call to pass it when you have a, you know, a guy that's running for over 100 yards and, you know, two – I mean, I mean, you got two guys that are, you know, great, obviously great rushing, you know, great running backs, and, you know, you're going for a fourth and one passing. It's just not a very competitive, not a very competitive play. And so, you yeah. see, of course, I, I'd be PO too. I mean, that's, I'd be mad too, and especially when you've been in the league for eight, seven, like, oh, what, 15, 16 years, yeah. and you've seen it all, you've done it all, right? Trust in that quarterback. Let yeah. him make the call. You saw last year when uh, the Steelers, um, they're down, you know, down 23 points, and, uh, you know, they said no more uh, calling. The coaches didn't make any calls. Ben Ben Roethlisberger, a longtime vet, just goes in there and calls his own plays, and they almost come back from a twenty-three point de- deficit. Yeah. Right. You, you look at stuff like that. You know, trust your veteran quarterbacks. Trust your court. Like trust your guys. Those are the guys who've been in the league. They're the guys who are playing. You think Matt Lafleur looks like a longtime NFL player? No, he's a coach. It's been a long time since he's been out on that field. You think right. McCarthy looks like one? <laughs> <laughs> maybe an old lineman, or maybe he ate the kicker. We don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully we'll we'll get them out of those obese stages and uh, you know whatever. But let's 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 move on from this. That's it's done. It's in the past. And it's interesting that we've been talking about Rodgers because they actually showed something that we've been talking about in the past few weeks is becoming a more balanced offense, even a run-heavy offense. Rodgers only threw the ball 20 times last night, you know, so he was very efficient, extremely high passer, hitting three touchdowns, almost 250 yards passing. But Aaron Jones was phenomenal, like like I said earlier, but. So I think with this turnaround in the Packers season could be attributed to a change in the offensive game plan. So that'll be interesting to follow. Getting back to the Cowboys here, like we talked about, we don't know, was it a fluke? Was it more than a loss? But I think we will find out in the next two weeks because they have a huge showdown heading to Minnesota to play the Vikings. And then on Thanksgiving, hosting the Giants, which we'll we'll find out if the Giants are real. I think at this point you, you – Kind of are getting rid of arguments against that. But let's let's transition into the Vikings. I think we definitely had the game of the year yesterday. We hold receipts on this show. Jimmy, you were talking last week and the week before about how the Vikings aren't really legit. I'd say they look so yesterday. Outstanding victory against the Bills. Uh, another big, big incident of seeing quarterback struggles, which was Josh Allen. Yep, he wasn't 100% healthy. You can no. definitely make that argument, but... The mistakes were time and time again. It was fitting, I thought, that the game ended on an interception in the end zone to Pat Peterson. Shout out to him, though. That was definitely good to see. Two picks. Yeah, two picks for him. And then, obviously, that fumble on your own goal line was really just yeah. was the turning point in the game, obviously. So what are your guys' biggest takeaways? I know we've talked in the past few weeks now. It actually started two weeks ago when they sort of uh, – I forget who they are playing, but they let another team in. But they let, uh, let they let the Packers hang around yeah. in that game. And then last week, obviously struggling against the Jets. Yeah. And then this week, I think Josh Allen is who you're circling on the whiteboard in terms of pointing fingers at this loss. Chad, mm-hmm. what are you thinking in terms of Josh Allen and the Bills right now? Well, I want to talk about their second halves because I think that is their biggest yeah, weakness yeah, exactly. right now. Yep. So their past three games, they've had 16 possessions in the second half. And all those have had no touchdowns. Now, granted, one of them was them taking a knee. but So 16 with no touchdowns. There have been five interceptions in the second half, one turnover on downs, and then most notoriously, look at yesterday, fumble in their own end zone, which gives the Vikings a win, essentially. So, I mean, that that's a question mark because they come out so strong, but then it's the second half that they really looks like they become lackadaisical. They aren't really running the same offense that they usually are running, and it's a question mark. But at the end of the day, 
I have too much trust in this Bills team, even as a Jets fan. I think in three or four weeks they'll be fine. We won't be looking at this narrative as much. But I really just want to talk about the, this, the ending of this game. Yeah. Vikings are down 17 points. They bring it all the way back down. Dalvin Cook drops a touchdown on fourth and goal. A walk-in touchdown. Terrible drop, but a flag negates it. Then you have Kirk Cousins, who gets down on the one inch line on the other fourth and goal. Do you guys think he was in or no? I think he might have been in, but I think since they called it uh, short on the on the field and they couldn't really overturn it. Yeah, tough it. to overturn. Yeah, but then, so then you have Josh Allen fumble in the end zone. The Vikings re-grab the lead with 37 seconds left. I'm sitting watching it with the teammate, Tuck. You guys know Tuck. Shout out, Tuck. And I said, I say, 37 seconds left. I bet this game goes into overtime. He goes, no. And then I said, it, it's look at this game. Look how it's been going. It's down to going overtime. And what happens? Gabe Davis has a questionable catch that really was not a catch. Should have been yeah, reviewed. Yeah. And then Josh Allen leads the Bills down for a field goal. Then we go in overtime. Vikings get the ball first. Justin Jefferson's been the man the whole game. He gets the ball, gets a flag for him. They march down, they get a field goal in overtime, and then, like you said, rightfully so, the game ends in a forced interception in the end zone, which was a terrible throw, a terrible read from Josh Allen. Yep. Now Josh Allen's leading the league in interceptions with 10, so, I mean, there's there's a question mark there, but like you said, he wasn't fully healthy. He even got banged up trying to make a tackle on one of his interceptions, so I think Three or four weeks, the Bills will be rolling again. I think they're at a little um, a speed bump in their season, but I don't think it's anything to question about too much. Staying on the positive here with Justin Jefferson, that was a remarkable game. We've seen several mar- remarkable games from this season. Ten yards, one hundred ninety. Sorry, ten receptions, one hundred ninety-three yards, and a touchdown. And what I thought was the greatest catch in the history of the NFL. Fourth and eighteen, losing game on the line. Um, it goes against his body, goes backwards and catches it. Yeah, you could say that the, def- the defender certainly helped him make the catch, but certainly the, the, the clutchness of it was incredible. I mean, Justin Jefferson, there was no way I thought that ball was being caught, but yet he made the catch. I'm saying it's the greatest catch of all time, given the situation. It's the biggest game of the year, biggest opponent you're going to face all year, clutch point in the game, and just goes defies physics to make the grab. And then not only did he do that, that wasn't the end of his game. Like you said, Chad, later in the game he made another big play. Back shoulder corner. Just like absolutely outstanding from Jefferson. I think he's making the case not only to be a top three receiver in football, but to be the top receiver in football. I think that's a scary offense for the rest of the year, and I think they're going to show it in Dallas against Dallas next week. Yeah, uh... Unfortunately, the top receiver was on the other side of the field wearing number 14. I think Stefan Diggs is by far the best receiver in the league. Or I wouldn't say by far. I mean, there's guys that are close to him, but just what he does is unreal. And then catch of the year, or catch of football, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it was such a remarkable catch, but the thing that I look at is the cleanliness of the catch. He it, it was a little bobble. The defender helped a little bit. I mean, it doesn't take away anything from how remarkable of a catch that was, but I think Mr. Cowboy would even agree that the three-finger catch that Odell Beckham had reaching back uh, with while getting held in double coverage, the ball was basically out of bounds. A terrible throw from Eli Manning that he just absolutely saved. I think mm-hmm. that catch will never – it's undebatable. It's yeah. unanimous best catch of all time. Yeah, I don't think up. it's unanimous anymore. I, I think it's unanimous. I mean, unanimous and Dylan – I mean, that, that doesn't really make it not unanimous. Just ratios say that it's basically unanimous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Justin Jefferson, one. though, shout out to him. The 193 yards, one touchdown. Great game. That catch was unbelievable. Unbelievable catch. Yeah, 100%. But does it even come close to Odell's? No. You are out of your mind for thinking. Odell made the Odell, one-hand catch. Odell made the one-hand catch. Do you know how many times I yelled Odell as a kid growing right. up in middle school after that catch? It was, I don't yell, Justin Jefferson. You know, yeah, go back and catch But how him. many times do you gritty now from Justin Jefferson? I can't gritty because I am a 
unathletic white male who can't dance like that. So like basically like why would I why do I care about the gritty? Not really that bad. All right. So I it doesn't really make any difference to me. I will say one thing though. I I, I do I do like Justin Jefferson. But I mean that catch was that catch was incredible. Yeah, once again. But nothing near Odell's. I mean, literally everyone can always remember that. Okay, Odell drops that pass. You get the pass interference penalty, and you play the next down. Jefferson drops that pass. The football game's over. But he didn't drop it. He secured it with three fingers. That's 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 totally just not even the argument. I mean, what are like? That's not the argument at all. Oh come on, Dill. Oh my gosh. When I when it comes to goat catches for me and goat anything, just like Jordan Lebron, right? You ask him what it did for the game. I'm not not the individual game. You're talking about the impact. Of the game the sport, outside. baby. The sport. We're talking the sport. Are you We're looking talking? at football. This catch happened you, yesterday. It's not going to change the world in a day. Well, it's not going to change the Do world. Do I see it on Instagram and Twitter right now? No, no it's done don't. for. Yeah, the know, better catch exactly, in that game exactly. was Stefan Diggs. Yeah, Stefan Diggs' one hand was just incredible. And it was clean. And yeah, it was on, It was even probably more. got the ball. Yeah, it got the ball too. You know what I'm saying? But like the thing is, Odell changed the game with that. He revolutionized the one hand catch. He revolutionized everything. He's the GOAT for that. He might not be the greatest receiver of all time. He's still pretty darn good. But, man, he definitely has the greatest catch, ball catch balls. I mean, I can I can watch that over and over. And I'm a Cowboys fan. That happened at the Cowboys home in Dallas. Yo. So it's just really incredible. And, we're uh, honestly, our stat team right now is showing us on the video board. Uh, right now they're showing us that Stephon Diggs catch. And, honestly, on, it's not. That pretty, thing is pretty. It's pretty darn cool. I mean, he gets up there, too. If we're talking about we're talking about the down and distance, that was third and 15. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean a, that's a huge clutch catch, that's too. That's a big-time I mean, player. That's Big top, yeah, and fourth so, I mean, and eighteen. Fourth and eighteen, third and fifteen, still all big. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, come the game, like, come the game on, Dill, come on, game, bud. Yeah. And also, like, I mean, yeah, that's the greatest catch in that. I, I still think the Justin Jefferson Jefferson catch was the best catch in that game. Oh yeah, no, no, for, what, what, but what, I mean, what, that what, that, that Diggs catch went underappreciated. Yeah, shout out to Diggs. That man, shout out my good, my boy Diggs. You know how it is, and. uh And so I just I want to make sure that everyone knows that Odell is definitely the worst, and Dill, you must be. I don't know if you're sober in here. I hope you are, man, because that's a stupid, stupid idea. Yeah, I'm not the one to worry about. But <laughs> the Bills, we'll, we'll, we'll stay serious or get back to being serious here, that, and that the Bills are certainly mortal. We thought that for a long time that they were kind of untouchable this year of what they've done to other teams. A few weeks ago, after, after they beat the Chiefs, that was really a moment for me where I was like, okay, the Bills might be a tier above everybody else in the league. They lost to your New York football Jets last week. Come on. And they lost the Minnesota Vikings this week. And a competitive AFC East division, the Miami Dolphins, after winning yesterday, are in first place. The Bills aren't even first in their division. They're actually, with the tiebreaker, third in the AFC East. So the Bills are going to have to turn it around. I mean, both these losses were close games, and they could have won them. But, I mean, the Bills really are are back to earth. No, they are. And, um, I mean, I won't. Touch too much on this because hint hint my martini hierarchy is coming up soon. It's going to be a good one. But um yeah, the Bills are mortal. The AFC East, if the playoffs started today, the AFC East would have all four teams in the playoffs. Oh I mean, yeah, <laughs> they don't make them like this anymore, baby. This is the best division in football. NFC East is a fraudulent division. I don't care. Them Cowboys are fraudulent. Hey, them Giants are fraudulent. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just going off. I don't like Jimmy that much. But look. <laughs> The AFC East is the best division in football. Four teams are in the playoffs right now. This is the real deal, baby. You haven't seen the AFC East this good in, I don't know, in a century since football even, since they're playing like, in the backyard. Con- con- congratulations. Mr. Slenderman doesn't like me. That, that's incredible. I'm, I'm so sad. All right, I'll tell you one thing. You know who actually was kind of crazy about this? Basically, if you actually take it and you look at the actually the schedules and the uh, – 
and next season, not the schedules, but you look at the standings and the wins and losses for each division. The Giants, Cowboys, Eagles, their collective records would still have better records than everyone. But we're looking at who they're playing, though. Yeah. No, well, they're still playing. Well, great I no, agree, collect, Jimmy. Collective, better, better. And also, yes, the Bills no. are 6-3. By the way, the Bills are 6-3. Y'all, we, we've still talked about how the Bills are going to keep going, right? The Cowboys are also 6-3. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say about we the know, Cowboys for look, the rest of the day. No, no, look, I agree. To. The NFC East is... Very good, that but the commanders, good. the commanders hold the division down. We have down. the only undefeated team in our league, and I hate the Eagles. And look at their I schedule. But, the but look Giants. at their schedule. you got to agree with that. Their schedule matter. is... Their schedules are all good. They're playing in the NFL. I mean, come all on. Right. Yeah, you yeah, have the Dolphins are. at the... the but if you get to play the Texans and the... I mean, the, it's... Come on. Yeah, I mean, come on. Okay, Everyone well, bad the, bottom line here, the bottom line here is that... Almost surprisingly, both of these two divisions are the two best in football. So we'll transfer over to the two divisions we certainly thought were going to be the best divisions in football. It was on the other side of the country, the AFC and NFC West. And we had a great showdown. If you guys saw it last night on Sunday Night Football between 49ers and the Chargers, the 49ers slipped by. It was a game that the Chargers, I feel like, definitely lost more than the 49ers won. No. I had a crazy hit on Justin Herbert. Hope he's all right, even though he finished the game. Tough guy there. Questionable ejection. But we'll start with the Chargers and the AFC West side of it. The Chiefs won yesterday, and now they are two games ahead in the division. But I think what's more telling about the division, and frankly more surprising about the division, is the absolute surprising fall-off of the the bottom two teams, Denver and Las Vegas. And I'm going to be honest, as a football fan, as a Derek Carr fan, you know the type of competitor he was. Really bad loss yesterday sent Las Vegas to two and seven, and Derek Carr straight up got up there and started crying on the podium. Yeah. And I think that's what you want to see from your leader and from your competitor. But nonetheless, it's really sad for the Raiders the season they're going. And obviously, McDaniel's is going to be under fire. I think he'll be out after this season for sure if he makes it there. But that was just a frustrating loss for yeah. them. And I think the Raiders were a team we were all excited about with Devontae Adams and Derek Carr. And I I really thought they had a chance maybe even to win the division, but. Sitting here at two and seven, it's a tough time for them, and especially seeing Carr like that. What do you guys think of the Raiders? And you could also talk about the Broncos. They actually play this coming week because Russell Wilson's another guy who, oh my God, we thought that boy shouldn't be playing football. We thought he was for sure top ten, maybe even top five guy, but now he's bottom ten, bottom five guy. Really bad loss for them yesterday too. Those two teams, what what's going on, guys? Yeah, you know, I just want to say first off, the Raiders. I mean. I know everyone's super excited about him, you know, but honestly, one player doesn't make the biggest difference. I mean, obviously, it makes a big difference, but one player, meaning Devontae Adams, you can't just. Well, they were already. I know they were already good. It was their last year miracle. But think think about this: they had a a good year last year, right? Like overall, they had an average year. But think about all they lost last year, right? Think about what happened to that team. I mean, you had obviously the rugs incident. You have Gruden, you know, right. gone, and like you have like that's that's the culture you're built off of, right? That's like what you're, you know, that's what's going on. Ooh, yeah. Like, how can you even focus on football? Like, yeah. how how are you telling me that this year was supposed to go good and have a great year when last year you had all that stuff going on? And then meanwhile, you got the Broncos over here. Once again, I say it every week. Yeah, let me ride, Broncos. Yeah, like come on, no, you're getting ridden. Like come on, like that's just awful. No, you're you're being absolutely like just destroyed right now. It's not good. It's not fun to watch. And right, honestly, it's just false confidence that bleeds out onto the field. Yeah. Right. I mean, obviously, I, I Russell Russell Wilson, not Westbrook, which I mentioned the first time. <laughs> there we go. Russell Wilson. Right, like, obviously, he's a, he's a great quarterback, right? But he gets into a new system, right? Overly confident, super pumped up. Everyone's like, oh, he's gonna get it done, right? He's got a lot to live up to. And when he underproduces, I mean, it's only gonna spiral down and down and down because once again, the Broncos 
haven't been good since Manning have been, has been there. You know, and so that's just kind of sad to see, you know, a team that once had a great tradition, culture, you know, such excitement surrounding the team. Now, you know, slowly spiral down and bring a great quarterback with them. And also, it's his fault, too, because he's over here, you know, Dancing around for the cameras in front of the game, and when he's he's got like a two and six, a three and sixteen, like come on, you know, yeah. get out of the spotlight, go back to your roots, think about what it was like to be a rookie again when no one knew your name, yeah. come out there and fire up, and you know, come back out with that chip on your shoulder instead of like, oh, I won a Super Bowl, oh, I'm a great quarterback, and you. Tuck yourself back up, you know yep. what I'm saying? Put on your pants the right way like you did your whole life. Yep. Pull it up by the bootstraps and get to work. The boots. Yep. Get, to, get to work. I mean, yeah, definitely something there. The superstar acquisition is 17th in yards, 27th in touchdowns, 27th in QBR. So yeah. big-time struggles from Russell Wilson. And he's getting paid for a long time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And looking at the other side of that game, though, the Titans – they, they keep finding ways to win, and like Jimmy said a few weeks ago that he was not impressed with the Titans, but especially with the bad division, you know, the Titans are here again. They're right here again. I think they have a big-time game against the Packers on Thursday night, but it's it's they're not your traditional winning style. Like, obviously, they have Tannehill back, which is great for them, which allowed them to throw the ball 36 times. You know, remember last week they threw, what, 8, 10 times with yeah, some, uh, Malik Willis? Some terrible number. But um, <laughs> Derrick Henry's been playing well. Uh, a team I still don't really trust when the postseason comes around, but you can't no. you can't deny the fact they're first in the AFC South and they have a legitimate record. They're six and three. You know their Chiefs loss was close, so this team could be not legit, but it's just a team to remember. You yeah, know what I'm saying? For sure. But before we leave the AFC West, I want to talk about them charges for a second because, I mean, you look at these two guys that are supposed to be like maybe one of the best receiving cores in the NFL in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and. I'm just watching videos of them doing anything but football. They're at the, they're at the um, the Lakers game the other night, and they're just not playing football. And I mean, the leading receivers yesterday for the Chargers were DeAndre Carter and Josh Palmer. Like that's Wait, not what Justin Herbert. Jo- Josh Palmer's for. in my math class. Oh yeah, Josh Palmer's yeah, exactly. in math class. I mean, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, you got these guys that are supposed to be making big time plays for them, and they can't stay healthy. I mean, how long has Keenan Allen been? Has he has he played maybe two or three games this year? So it's just. It's things like that which are hurting the Chargers, and I think the Chargers will be another team like the Bills, where in three to four weeks they'll have a much better record, and we won't be really saying much about them. Well, but will they? They have a a, a shot to they have a big game with the Chiefs home. Sunday night again. Yeah. They come back next week against the Chiefs. I think that will be. I mean, that's always an entertaining matchup. Yeah. That's almost a brewing rivalry with Mahomes and Herbert. Um, the Chargers definitely have still have their great pieces. You know, Eckler's been outstanding for them in the past few weeks. Yeah, but I mean, he only got six rushes last. No, last I, night, I so know, it's like, but they, they're still figuring it out. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it's 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 definitely disconcerting, a little bit annoying, right? I mean, Keenan Allen's played as many games as he has hairs on the top of his head. You know, it's pretty disappointing for him. You know, and I, honestly, I just hate watching. You know, once again, I, I always talk once about character, right, and you know, just dedication to the game. And you see Mike Williams and uh, Keenan Allen. There's not. I don't think they're very dedicated, right? Yeah. And uh, I think they need to get. They need to focus on you know getting back and. Do well, the, I think Keenan Allen's dedicated because I think he's one of the craftiest receivers in the league. But he's been I don't think he should be out for this long over this. That's injury. what I'm saying. I mean, honestly, like you see them, they're up and about and they're moving like that. Put the team on your back. Be the guy that you've been. Be a leader and be out there being and supporting your team. Well, let's right. talk of the flip side about this. Shift over to the NFC West because a few weeks ago I warned you guys, hey, this is an offense coming together, and this is, I think, potentially the team to beat in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers. Niners. It wasn't a pretty win. I, I understand that, and they were losing at the half, and they looked like they weren't great offensively, but that defense came to play in the second half last night. They shut them down scoreless in the second half. Um, pieces were coming together offensively too for them. I think the 49ers were impressive, and 
with Seattle losing to Tampa Bay, now they're only a game back in the NFC West. And before we get to Seattle, we had the other two NFC West teams, the Rams yep, and the Cardinals. That's, that's what I want to talk about, baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, no no Stafford, no Cup, but the Rams are now 3-6. and six. Yeah. It's panic time. I think I, yeah, I think the Rams. I think the Rams are done for this year. I mean, year. the Niners didn't have Murray, mind you. They had uh, Colt McCoy playing. Cardinals, Cardinals. Yeah, it's Cardinals had Colt McCoy you know what playing. I meant. Yeah. yeah, but no, that's. I thought it was a huge win for the Cardinals. I'm watching their HBO. Um, their hard knocks right now, so I'm I'm really locked in with the Cardinals right now, and I think that that was a really big win for them because one, it's a division win. Two, it puts them at four and six, which still gives them a chance to make a run for the playoffs because I think if they are healthy and they get it all together. I think they're going to be a good team, and you got you got D Hop back now, who is just absolutely cooking every week. He had ten catches for ninety eight yards. I think eight of those catches were on um, Jalen Ramsey. I, he's got to be up there in the top top three, top five receivers in football. And then I just saw before we started this podcast that the um, the Cardinals cut Eno Benjamin, who was their starting running back when James Conner wasn't there. So now maybe they're looking at James Conner. He's healthy. He's back. He's a James Conner they had last year. So I think. That uh, things are pointing in the right directions for the Cardinals, and um, I, I, like I said, I think I said it a few weeks ago. I think the Cardinals are going to be one of those teams to look out for, and I, I still hold that case. I think that they're getting off to the right foot, or getting back to the right foot. And perfect, we have next Monday night Cardinals 49ers. I think oh, that'll boys. be a big one, one that you don't have to win if you're the Cardinals. Well, maybe you do. But I, you're getting to the point where it is have a to, chance, yeah. definitely, to show that the season's not over. No, yeah. uh, obviously Zach Ertz being out indefinitely, it's that's tough to watch. Yeah. Um, but the, the Cardinals do have a tough upcoming schedule if we look at it. They have the 49ers, then they have the Chargers, then the Patriots. So, I mean, they're going to have to figure it out, and it's no. not going to be necessarily the easiest path for them to do so. So, yeah, the Cardinals are a team to watch going forward. Looking at the final team in that division, the Seahawks, they played in Germany. That was a really cool uh, environment. I don't yeah. know if you guys saw that. Oh, yeah. Um, they're saying uh, West Virginia, yeah, the country roads. I don't know why, but uh, – the country roads. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, anyhow, the Bucks win that game and improve to five and five over the Seahawks. Um, hopefully, Fournette's okay. I know he had the injury, but it was good to see Tom Brady win that game, which we had uh, marked down as a big question mark for the Seahawks—a mm-hmm. chance to prove they're legit. But now the Buccaneers seem to have the ball rolling in the right direction again. Two wins for Brady uh, in a row since the divorce. And now they got the Browns and they got the Saints, so I think it's time for the Bucks to get that ball rolling, get the blood flowing again, and get moving because I think it's interesting. I don't know if you guys saw Nick Wright talking about it, but if you look at the potential uh, postseason picture for the Bucks, like they'll probably finish fourth, and then Brady's going against quarterbacks like Geno Smith or and then maybe Kirk Cousins. You know, like it yeah. seems like a very traditional Winnable path to the Tom Super Bowl Brady. for yeah. Brady. You know, where he might not have had. He may have had some dark spots and patches in the regular season, but matchups that he'll confidently win come in January. So I think things are happening. The right things are happening at the right time for Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah no, I, I 100% agree with you there. I mean, the Buccaneers, it was great to see their stat line. You know why? Because obviously in the past this year, they've been focusing so much on using Tom Brady yep. for 40, 45 times. They only passed him for 29 times this week. You know, they, they relied a lot more on their defense, the first half scoreless for the Seahawks. Right, they rely a lot more on their defense, which is great to see. Uh, also, and it's also good to see Leonard Fournette, you know, out there trying to make a pass. I hated, I, <laughs> I hated that. I hated watching that. It was, it was, it was painful to see Brady go out there as a wide receiver. But you know what? I love it in the same sense because, like, you know what? It can't just be, you know, 
just can't all just be like sit in the pocket pass 60 times a game. No, no. it's not going to be sustainable anymore. The guy's 45. No, right? but it, the 45 year old yeah. should not be a receiver. That, yeah, that was no, idiotic that was, that was because. Un- but the reason why is because the guy, nobody lined up on him last Certainly time. Not but the, the thing is, you got to audible out of that yeah. or run out. It was know, not the footwork, yeah. it was not the ball. I've seen terrible things. It looked like a guy that I know. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh. It was terrible. Terrible play call. But I was trying to say this. Look. There was a 21-16 game if you look at the box score, but it was a much better win for the Buccaneers and what shows because the Seahawks had a, la- a late-minute touchdown, and then the Buccaneers ran the most idiotic play call I've ever seen in my whole life. Easy, like By far the most idiotic play call when they were near the red zone. So, I mean, they very easily could have been a 28-9, 28-10 game instead. But what with all that being said, a great win for the Buccaneers. Um, yeah. it, it's... It could be a changing point for the season. Yeah, and the time time's up on the Seahawks, man. I honestly like I love I, I love what they've been able to do so yeah. far in this season. But honestly, I think it's going to slowly catch up. Geno Smith, you know, he's a functional quarterback. He's not going to be that guy that's going to get it done and lead you all the way. I don't know. I wouldn't uh, rule them. I, out. I wouldn't rule them one hundred percent. But if I don't think they can do it. The trust know. he's earned, like to discredit him after a week, is is tough, especially no, not, against not Tom story, Brady. But I think it's going to. I mean, slowly as the season goes. I mean, on. they had four in a row before. I see what you're saying, and I think. But with, I mean, with the rise of San Francisco, that that leash is getting shorter for 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 Seattle. Yeah, yeah. they are. They do have the chance to play the Raiders and then the Rams and the Panthers. Yeah, they have the Rams twice. They could the come Panthers. up with some wins there. Ugh. So I actually I think it would be really cool to see Seattle f- finish their run to the playoffs. But for like sure. I'm saying, you know, this could very much be a wild card weekend rematch. I mm-hmm. mean, a rematch of this game in the wild card weekend against uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, for sure. No better way to finish an NFL segment than that boy Martini <sighs> boy. giving us his martini hierarchy. Always controversy comes with hierarchy with Chad here. No. Chad, break it down. You know, the Miami fans have been in my DMs after listening to the past few ones. Oh, all right. Because I haven't been ans- I haven't been uh, showing love to the Finns. I've got a lot of hate mail from the Dolphins fans. Definitely not lying about that. But uh, So I have the Dolphins at five right now. They have the best receiver duo right now in football. Whether you like it or not, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are unstoppable, and Tua is doing enough. Okay. He's, like doing, he's, doing a good, he's doing a good enough job. I think that... I'm still not sold on Tua, but the play calling is legit enough to make him look. Or he's getting comfortable plays. He's putting the ball in the position where it has to be. I still question his deep arm. I saw a terrible throw to um, Joan Waddle against the Bears last week. But the Dolphins are five. They're, they have a great defense. They got Bradley Chubb, and they have the best receiver duo in football. Number four, might hate this, might love it. I got the Vikings at four, and I got the Bills at three above them because I think do you watch football? if you're looking in the long I do watch football, actually, buddy. I really do. But if you're looking in the long run, the Bills are going to be the better team. And I know the Martini hierarchy is for week 10 or week 11, whatever week this may be, but I still think the Bills are the better team. The Bills had their star player, their star quarterback, their franchise player banged up the whole game, and they still went to overtime with this team. So, yeah, I think the Vikings are legit. I think Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen is a really good tandem on offense with Dalvin Cook in the backfield and now with TJ Hawkinson. But I still think I still like the Bills over them. Uh, number two, I got the Chiefs. They got Kadarius Tony going a little bit last uh, the other day. They got uh, Travis Kelsey still. I mean, they still got Mahomes. I know it wasn't too big of a win over the Jaguars, but that you can't really count out the Chiefs when you have Mahomes at the mound. And then number one, the Eagles. And, I mean, I'm going to keep them there. But the past few weeks I've kind of had some um, some bad calls about putting a team in the Martini hierarchy before they play on a Monday night. 
right. most notably the Bengals. Jimmy gave me a lot of hate for that. I put them at five. The Bengals had a terrible loss to the Browns. <sighs> so really, yeah. we're going to have to see with the Eagles. I have the Eagles at number one. Really good one. There. But maybe it's a good sign for you because maybe it, I'm going to jinx the Eagles. They're going to lose, and the Cowboys are going to start going up from there. So, yeah. But I have the Eagles at number one. I've yeah. talked about them a lot. Well, I think yeah. they're the number one team in yeah, football too, right now. Too bad the Eagles play the Colonies tonight. You know, that's, that's always – the, co- the Commanders should never, you know, beat the Eagles this year. And I don't think they should beat them for a long time since they haven't had a playoff win since 2005. But anyway, that, that doesn't really matter. Hopefully you did jinx them. That would be a miracle. I'm going to watch very closely tonight. A big game uh, for the NFC East. But then I will say one thing. Um, I actually, I, I do like this week's. Uh, you know, it's surprising. It's surprising me because usually I usually hate what you like to say. No. Like you have to say there, Chad. No. But, uh, you know, Miami, you know, that's a dark horse. I've been seeing them, them show up a lot. Once again, uh, my mind's been changed because remember I, I keep talking bad about Minnesota, how they only win by small margins. But you know what? They beat the Bills. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's a big. They, they beat the Bills. That's that's pretty self-explanatory. I still think the Bills are a great team. The only thing I have a little bit of a problem with is the, the Bills being in number three rather than four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because once again they built everything through Josh Allen. Josh Allen had a bad game, right? And so basically, what I'm seeing is that you know as the season goes on, if Josh Allen continues that bad games. Or you know he just has a random you know bad game I don't know say second week of the playoffs and that, that season's over right that, that's just yeah it. but is that gonna happen we don't know what we'll time will only tell but that's the only only discrepancy I have Miami good pick I can't wait to see what they do I like their offense right now they got a lot of exciting things going on down there down south and uh, can't wait to see what's going on and I think you have to demote the Bills a little bit more just to you know let them earn their way back <laughs> up because they lost the last two weeks and. To have them not move in the hierarchy, I mean, come on, chat. Uh, especially when one of those losses come to at home against the Vikings yesterday. You know, I, I think just to give credit to the Vikings and give credit where it's due. You know, the Vikings have been outstanding. They're a one-loss team. They're incredible. I think they could be higher than four for sure. I think they should be above Buffalo. And I think talking about the Eagles for a second, I'm also excited for tonight's game. But Let's give some credit to Jalen Hurts. We actually haven't really talked about him on the show much this year. I think he's my MVP of the league. Someone that's actually funny, I, I, I called before the season that Jalen Hurts would be the MVP of the league or a dark horse for it. Okay, LeBron. So, so <laughs> anyway, I, I think Jalen Hurts. Show me the Carfax on that one. Hats please. off to him. He's been outstanding um, both in the air and on the ground. So I think the Eagles will win tonight and continue to be dominant. But I just wanted to give them a shout-out because it's almost been a given week after week that they win. And frankly, against lesser opponents, which is why we're not talking about those games as much. But nonetheless, shout-out to the Eagles. And Now, if you want to talk about an MVP, or, yeah. look, I don't really think any quarterback really stands out. I think if you're going to put one, yeah, maybe it's Jalen Hurts. But that guy, Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. down in Miami, down in the 305, enjoying mm-hmm. the sun, baby. He is balling. 81 catches, 106, uh, 106 targets, uh, 1,100 um, yards. He's just balling. I know he doesn't have a lot of touchdowns, but, I mean, no one could guard him right now. He's he's the guy. He's had 190, 160, 177, 188, 143-yard games. I mean, that's, like, unheard of. What he does is he's the hardest. I don't have him as the best receiver because I think Stephon Diggs is much more talented. but he's, he's the, the best hardest receiver in football this year. I think you could say that, but I th- it's just his speed is just – you can't – Either you try and put a guy in front of him, or you have to put two guys over him, and then it opens up other things. So it's just the impact that he has. I think he is, in my opinion, the MVP right now. Yeah, this was an awesome NFL segment. Chad, thanks for your hierarchy. Thank you guys both for your takes and insights um, about the NFL. Let's uh, let's transition over to college football. Um, we'll start, obviously, with the biggest headline in college football, unfortunately. It's absolute tragedy in Charlottesville, Virginia, today. 
Um, three three players on the team killed on campus. Deshaun Perry, Devin Chandler, and Lavelle Davis Jr. Just absolutely horrible, tragic news. Our mm-hmm. thoughts and prayers go out to their families, the University of Virginia football community, and all those involved because it was just really such an awful story and awful incident. No, no it's terrible. Um, just not what we like to hear, but it, it's great seeing just college football, the football community as a whole, come together, show their condolences, show their love for um, the people that were impacted there. It's, it's just a terrible story. It's not something that you like to read, not something that you like to see. It's it's, it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, really, really, really tough situation there. But any anyhow, moving on and talking about college football outside of that, uh, big game we were looking forward to this weekend that happened. Actually, remarkably low scoring. You know, Jim, I know you want to talk about this one. A big-time Texan battle down in Austin. TCU, a team that we've marked and that I've certainly had, is having a very short leash in their path to the college football playoffs. They simply cannot afford to slip up, as most Big 12 teams historically cannot. But they win 17-10 to 10 against Texas. Jim, what would you make of the game? How did, how did it impact your thoughts of TCU going forward? What, what's going through your head? You know, a lot of things are going through my head with this. I don't think I've seen a Big 12 game and 17-10 to 10 yeah. in a long time. I mean, there were, time. There were 140 <laughs> yards in the first half. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's incredible, right? Like, what's going on? Like, what is going on in the Big 12? I, I, I love to see it, though, you know? That's, just, that's good football, though. You know, it's good football. It's good to see. And uh, obviously, like... I love the Horned Frogs. I'm a Fort Worth native myself, just north of the It's city. one of his five favorite college football teams. Yeah, but, you know, TCU just uh, – Besides I Cornell up, football. I grew up going to those games, and, uh, you know, I love seeing them. Man, it's, it's, it's been a long, long time since they've been, uh, you know, up so high. And uh, I'd love to see, obviously, going down at UT. I mean, playing Memorial Stadium in front of 100,000, you know, crazy UT fans down in Austin, that's tough to do, especially against a UT team that's stacked yeah, with talent. Yeah, yeah. Have the great players and honestly, probably has better talent than the Horn Frogs. Yeah. But that just shows you how good of a you know a good team and uh, how good of a you know a program the TCU has turned out to be this year. You know they're resilient, they're ready to fight, and you know what, they're gonna hold four, and I think they're gonna keep you know winning. They got uh, obviously their upcoming schedule, uh, Baylor and uh, Iowa State, two unranked teams. You know, but always very solid. They just gotta close out in this season, and then you know what, I think it's gonna be that Big Twelve title match that's gonna be fun to watch, and then after that. Um, it's on to those college football playoffs if they continue to win. They have an extremely short lease, though, 100%. Big 12 teams, it's always tough for them to stay into the top four, right, and get those yep. playoffs. You know, and then obviously once they're in there, you know, I don't know what's going to happen once they're I'm not going to make any, you know, bets because, you know, most likely they'll play like Georgia. You know, but, I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting uh, last couple of weeks with uh, the Horned Frogs of Fort Worth. And, um, but I am really pumped up about this game. Obviously, if you look at the stat line, not what you usually see. Uh, obviously, highly touted recruit Quinn Ewers, uh, you know, going out there throwing 171 yards and one mm-hmm. interception. That's not what you've seen from him, him this year. And same with Max Duggan, only throwing for 124 yards. He's a great player, and only one TD. You know, that's just uh, it's 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 just really interesting to see. No, but but a big big thing uh, that I, I see was the rushing game for uh, TCU, and that's honestly what uh, led to the high top, you know, for uh, TCU, and honestly the ultimately the win. Um, was the uh, Keandre, Mill- Keandre Miller going for 138 yards and one touchdown? You know, the, obviously running down their throat is um, that's a strategy. That's a strategy that you see a lot in uh, football. You see a lot in the NFL as well. You know, a lot of run game uh, results in long time of possession, quicker games, keeps your defense off the field. You know, and it, if you can get that run game working, you know, you can 
you might not win by a large margin, even though you do control most of that game. So when if you watch that TCU game, you see TCU control that game, yet only win by seven. And so that that's that's looking good, and uh, you know the future. And uh, you know it's it's going to be an interesting one to watch. Any thoughts, boys? It's always good to show you can win multiple ways. Like obviously, you'd want to see them explode offensively and win traditionally Big Twelve, big time offense performance. But to show that you can win those gritty on-the-road games where you rely more on your defense is important, especially when you come up and have to play teams that win in that style tradition, traditionally, such as um, as Georgia. Uh, going forward, TCU has Baylor and, Ohio, and, and Iowa State, and then uh, the Big 12 championship game. They have to win all three of those games if they want a shot at going to the college football playoff. But if they do, I mean, you have to send them in. And I think this is why we want and will get a bigger college ball playoff going forward because, you know, if there's any question, you'd rather have a few more teams so that we can really find out who deserved to and who didn't on the bubble. Um, another big game in college football this week, we had Alabama against Ole Miss. That was a big-time college football environment, really cool atmosphere to look at. Close game to the end, but Alabama pulled through at the end. Bryce Young threw three, t- t- three touchdowns in that game, even though the offense wasn't clicking or hasn't been clicking as much as it had been uh previously in the past few weeks alabama you you imagine is out of the playoff uh they kind of would need lsu to trip up in order to get into the sec title game and then would have to beat georgia if they do that i think they get into the playoff and their first two loss team to do so but certainly not in their own destiny as we've seen in the past from Alabama, which is exciting, exciting to see as a college football fan because a big knock on the sport is seeing the same two dogs up there every year. I know with several, several years in a row seeing Alabama and Clemson playing, having a college football playoff without either of them will be refreshing. Um, That being said, it looks like Georgia is still very much the top team in college football right now. Um, They'll have some tests coming up, especially in the SEC championship game. But I, I still think deep down, you know, if they were to play TCU tonight, they would, they would beat them pretty handily. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm with you on that. Which is tough. Which is tough for some people to accept, but they would do so. But that's I, that's what's great about college football is because we might never, we probably won't ever see that matchup, and now we will never know what the case might be. I will always, I will always ride or die with my teams, but I will neither confirm or deny whether that would happen or not. Yeah, let's, let's I think we that. will find out. I, I think I hope, I hope actually is a good chance of making the playoff out. now. And I hope it's a great game. I hope it's a great game. Yeah, so. and I think there will be a lot more clarity in two weeks after the biggest game of college football every year, Ohio State-Michigan, comes on. Um, Big-time game coming up there. It, actually, I don't think we're, we'll we'll have a show until after that game. So yeah, yeah. next time we're talking on this podcast about college football, we'll have a very, very much more clear picture about what's going on and who's making the playoff because it all comes down to the game this year in Columbus, Ohio. Really excited for that one. Yeah, before we, I mean, it wasn't the most eventful uh, weekend in college football, but before we head on, i got to give two shout or one shout-out, and then one thing that I think is crazy that has to be talked about. One, shout-out to them UConn Huskies. Um, <laughs> oh, they're, going, yeah. they're going bowling for the first time in a long time. They beat number 18 Liberty at home. Huge win. Shout-out to my boy Bechtel. Um, you know, dog, um, happy for them, happy for those guys. It's great to see what they're doing with Coach Mora. But then what really has to be talked about is Texas A&M. So they are the first college football program ever to follow a number one national recruiting class with a losing season. Mm-hmm. So Texas A&M is just not what people expect. I think they were ranked top five uh, at the start of the season. Yeah. And now you're pointing fingers at Jimbo Fisher. But if you go to buy him out right now, his contract's $86 million, So you got to pay the guy $86 million. So, I mean, they're in a really tough spot. I saw they lost one of their five-star recruits um, who was committed. 
just the other week. But um, it, it's it's really it's really crazy what's going on in Texas in uh, College Station. I know Jimmy might have something to say went about out, that. Before Jim speaks, he went out publicly saying today though that he was doubling down on his confidence in the Aggies and their work ethic and their recruiting. Obviously, you're That's paid. That's crazy. You're, you're paid to say yeah, that. Yeah, you have to say that. And. You have to give the fans reassurance, he, he, but yeah. he's been saying that for six years. I know. Yeah, nothing's yeah, show. I, I was, I remember being, I don't know, I, well, I was probably about eighth grade. I, I can't even remember anymore. And I remember seeing that Jimbo Fisher was hired to the Aggies, and I mean, I was so pumped. Obviously, that was following Florida State's, you know, great success yeah. under him. Yeah. And you know, I see him. Obviously, first year didn't go as planned. Second year didn't go as planned. But then the third and fourth and. Now fifth, and now fifth, fifth and sixth year. I mean, yeah. we're not going great. I mean, come on, we're having a losing season. Have the number one recruiting class. I've been down there. The money is outstanding at yeah. Texas A&M. The facilities are outstanding. Hundred ten thousand uh, capacity stadium. Been there, seen it. Fans are outstanding. The entire program and culture is outstanding. But what is going on, and why can't it get done? Yeah. You know, you got the players. You know, obviously the quarterback system. The quarterback, uh, the quarterbacks have not been great. You know, that, that's the problem. That's yeah. uh, I think that's been the biggest problem. You haven't seen anybody had. Major success besides Nick Starkle in first game against UCLA four years ago, where he threw like 400 yards and then broke his ankle. You know what I'm saying? Like that. That's like the last time a quarterback's you know truly been incredible. You know Zach Calzada last year. Like look at him, man. The guy's skinny as heck. Like, have going? they had a good quarterback since Tannehill or no? I mean, no. They had Mond, Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond was a great quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say great, but he was, he was very, he was good. very he was solid. Good. He was suitable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He did his job and he did well, and you know led to some good seasons, but not the seasons that you're you're expected to see from the number one recruiting class, right? No. I think the wins that they've gotten is just becoming off the players. I don't know what's going on with Jimbo. I need a season. I, I think the buyout needs to happen. That's, that's a hefty that's, buyout. That's a, that's a hefty man. buyout. But Eighty-six for, million. But if you've ever been down there and you get seventy thousand kids at a school, yeah. especially a school like AM, the, the money's there. It is. It yeah. is. There's a lot of money there. But the only problem is like you better find a good replacement. You better find there. a darn good replacement. You know, I'm telling you, like, it's got to be a good one. Freedom fries and all. You know, yeah. it's just like that's what you got to do. So yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Hey, Maybe I don't know if you give him another year or not. But I'm. I'm I'm a little bit disappointed in my Aggies right now. It, it's not It's not good to see. Rightfully so. And the college football season, like I said, will be the outlook of it will be looking extremely different next time we meet on this show. But let's segue away from football. Great segment there. To the NBA, the biggest headline right now has to be the man in the middle in Philadelphia, Joel Embiid. Joel absolutely Embiid. incredible this weekend. First on Saturday night. Um, against the Hawks, he had 42 points, and we were like, wow, you know, look at that. The guy's doing whatever it takes to win, and he's carrying this team back to relevance this season. And then everything took off to another level last night. 59 points to beat the Utah Jazz, who actually been a real good team this year. Uh, well, they, they, they won last night at, uh, with Embiid's 59 points. He actually became the first player with at least 50, 10, 50 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, and 5 blocks in a game since blocks became an official stat in 73-74, thanks to the stats team there for getting that one together. Um, Chad, I mean, first of all, the 76ers, who we've come on the show the past few weeks and talked about, to me, the biggest disappointment uh, so far this season. But now they're back to 7-7. I mean, Embiid's looking like an MVP right now. Are you you convinced? Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm getting convinced. I think when Harden gets back, everything will look much better. I think what has to be talked about is the 76ers had 27 points in the fourth quarter last night, and Joel Embiid had 26 of those points. So it, it's like it's just pure dominance. I don't think we've seen a player as dominant like this since maybe Shaq, unless you're going to include Giannis's back-to-back MVP runs. Where I mean, he's still kind of at that pace, but 
it's not really a dominance level like this where it's just if you have this guy one-on-one -on -one in the post, you're not going to be able to stop him anytime. time. You're either going to have to foul him or he's just going to bring you all the way down and dunk on you. So it, it's just – it's pure dominance from him. 59, 11, 8, and 7. Yeah, it, unbelievable. Like, that, it sounds like he's playing my career. It, yeah. It's an unreal stat. I mean – but yeah, I think the 76ers are trending in the right direction right now. And I'm excited to see Harden come back as well because Maxie's also been outstanding this year, yeah. averaging 23 a night. So the Sixers are definitely coming back. Chad, sticking with you here on basketball, uh, the Nets, they, they lost last night to the Lakers, obviously yeah. moving pieces. Yeah, I, I overlooked over. that. But. I mean, it's clear to overlook that. Yeah. But they did, they, they, they did have a new head coach coming. Yeah. Uh, coming in for them, and they've been doing well under Vaughn. So what do you think about that hire, and what do you think about the outlook for the rest of the Nets season? Obviously there's so much yeah. that, that's still uh, under question. We won't get into the, those depths. But what do you think, Chad? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I was quite disappointed when Jacques Vaughn was announced to be the head coach. Um, I thought there was definitely some other names that could have been a better fit. I mean, obviously, Emilio Doka is the first one you look at, but with all the stuff going on with Kyrie, you can't really add another another head to that. I mean, it was just it's just a terrible look for the for the franchise. But I mean there were guys like Quinn Snyder, a guy a guy like like Mark Jackson who I really would have loved um as head coach. But there goes that man. There that that man. But um yeah, uh Jacques Vaughn has proven otherwise. I mean, he was their defensive coach and they were always in the bottom in defense for the past few years, but he's really turned it around outside from the um, the Lakers game. Last night, which was a back-to-back, -back. they were without some key pieces. They didn't have Seth Curry, they didn't have Ben Simmons, obviously they didn't have Kyrie. Nick Claxton didn't play the second half with an eye injury. But, I mean, they held, I think, five straight teams under ninety under 100 points, maybe six straight teams. So, I mean, his presence is being felt. I mean, he's showing – he's in the players to play well together. And then my favorite thing right now is Kevin Durant. He's bought in with all the noise that happened in the summer. I mean, he's the only guy, I think, right now to have – he's had 14 straight games of over 25 points. It's ridiculous what he's doing. Yeah. He just makes it look so easy. Yep. But it's not even just the fact that he's making it look so easy. It's the fact that he's bought in without his guy, Kyrie, right next to him. I've always said this. I remember when they played the Raptors last year, and I think they had they had uh, four of the rookies on the court. They had David Duke, Cam Thomas, um, Kessler Edwards, and uh, Darren Sharp all on the fourth of them, and it looked the best that Kevin Durant's ever looked. Yeah. It looks like he excels when he has these younger guys with him. When he has guys that maybe aren't as big of a name, guys like Cam Thomas, guys like Utah Watanabe, just smaller guys like Nick Claxton, it looks like he excels in this position, and it's really fun. It's really good to see him just completely bought in and making sure the Nets are heading in the right direction. Because after what was a terrible start, I know they're still under 500, but they really were able to turn it around recently. Yeah, it makes me think back to the uh, the buy sell hold segment we did about two weeks back. Um, and y'all y'all bought you know, stock in uh, the Nets. No. I, I kind of I, I disagree with myself. I, I said I would sell that and ship it off. Uh, but I, I do think that, um, honestly, it was maybe a little too early. I think the room, you know, Kyrie not being out there is a great thing. No. Uh, I think that Kevin Durant being able to do what Kevin Durant does best, be the leader, be that guy, and be the player that he needs to be, is just great to see, right? I think he's going to continue to do so. I think the the Nets might get a little bit better, and, and then also like we, uh, I, I think uh, Dill, you said the 76ers are the worst disappointment this year. No, don't ever say that. It's always the Lakers. I hate the Lakers, and that's the last thing I'm going to say today about the Lakers. Yeah, but I would say yeah, worst disappointment, more just most surprising. Most surprising, yeah. No, Lakers still hate them. They, they, <laughs> yeah, but they, the okay. They're yeah, the, that's I, I don't even. I know. I don't know. Lakers are undisputed. I don't care that but, they but won last night. But it's not. It's not even surprising just because of how awful their roster is you know i mean we we don't have to get into lakers every week 
But that roster needs help. Big trouble there. Obviously, LeBron's sitting out some games now. One bright spot, though, Anthony Davis was phenomenal last night against yeah. the Nets. He had 37 points. Uh, but well, they're, they're, but sorry. Yeah, but no, I think that goes to the coaching. I think, I mean, I think Darwinham might, he, I mean, with the record that they have right now, you really look at him and point a finger at him. But it was really good to see that they took advantage of the Nets having absolutely no interior defense and yeah. getting Anthony Davis the ball and getting yeah. Russell Westbrook down. It was good to see AD back. It was good to see AD back. This was a season high. I think he had, what, like 35, 37. Yeah, 37. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I still wish nothing but the worst for them. Anyway, uh, also higher for uh, the Nets, Jacques Vaughn. I mean, I'd love to see a guy that comes from the interior. You know, yeah, I, I obviously you don't you don't great. like to see that sometimes because since their interior hasn't been great in the last couple of years. Yeah, well, but then also like the thing is though, like that shows that they have trust and the you know they trust still. They think they've been making the right decisions. I, they, I, I think it's less with the coaching, more with the players. Yeah, yeah, that, that just shows you right there that I mean, obviously the Nets. Uh, they trust the guys who they have, and uh, I think they need to uh, yeah. have a new guy step in and you know make some changes uh, in uh, you know. Hopefully some discipline. Yeah, no, well, I mean, my biggest thing was when they hired Jock Vaughn was I think that they needed a fresh start. I, that's why I would have liked someone new to come in. But after his first win without the interim tag, I mean, there's a video that the Nets posted of just all the guys, how happy they were for him, gave him the game ball oh, just to see to them see. smiling. And, I mean, it shows that Jock Vaughn has these guys bought in. He has them playing the right way. So, I mean, it's a good sign for the Nets. Absolutely, and we'll wrap up our NBA segment with a team that I think has been very surprising when you look back at their record right now and what they've done. The Golden State Warriors are currently 5-8, and eight, which is definitely surprising. Obviously, it's early NBA season. A lot can happen going forward, but, I mean, they're currently out of the play-in picture, and that's going to turn around, but do you have any idea what's going on? I mean, what's going on there? You know, they, they are yeah. actually winless on the road. Yeah, they're 0-7 right on the 0 road. 0-7 on the road, which is... They're 27th in defensive rating, 24th yeah. in net rating. If it weren't for Steph, I don't think they'd be anywhere near 14th no. in offensive rating. No. And then, like I was telling the guys earlier, I mean, there are these key role players that are having really weird restrictions with their minutes or aren't playing at all. Wiseman was a DNP coach decisions for the past three games. Moody was the same for the past two games. And then Kaminga had three of those earlier this season. And then... If you look at the two games before that that Wiseman played, he's had, he's had five and two points. So yep. it's guys like that that aren't showing up. I think that maybe they aren't getting the chance that they really need. But outside of Steph Curry, I mean, what what's really going on there? I mean, obviously you have Jordan Poole who's been, <coughs> been doing his thing, but it they just aren't themselves. They had a tough loss for the Kings last night. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I said this earlier too. I was I brought up the question, do you trade Clay Thompson? Do you try and get another piece? I, I – Saw the questions. I saw the question marks and the red flags with the Warriors the last time we talked about them, and now you're kind of seeing them come back. So, so yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously Clay's a little hurt right now too, but I think I'm definitely always big on the idea that the the NBA is a very long season, and and like we, it's it's easy on sports shows to overreact, and I think definitely in basketball when you check in every week, mm. but I think in shows we have in March and April, I think assuming everybody remains and becomes healthy for them, I think we'll be thinking of them as one of the top teams in the league and contending again for an NBA championship. Yeah, you'd hope. I yeah, mean, I mean, we talked about it last year. Well, we didn't talk about it last year, but we, we saw it last year, at least with the Warriors. Obviously, that was a team that not people didn't really think we were going to go all the way. Yeah. Right? That was a team that yeah. was kind of up in question, and obviously the, the team that makes the best second-half push and the, the best push in the postseason usually wins. So we'll just have to you know, kind of sit back, relax, and watch it kind of – Enjoy the show. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's, that's what yeah. sports is all about. Grab a beer, grab a friend, sit down, watch the game. Grab a Mountain Dew and watch the game, baby. Well, thank you, Jim. Thank you, Chad, for an outstanding show today. 
I hope you guys enjoyed it, and we will be back likely in two weeks. You know, we got Thanksgiving coming up next week. Have a happy holidays and enjoy that holiday. Maybe watch the Cowboys lose on that holiday. <laughs> uh, but we'll save that anger for two weeks from now. Signing off here. Thank you guys for listening. That's it.